0: Welcome to the C.L. Bryant Show for the first time. Dr. Joe, welcome aboard. How are you, friend? I'm doing very well, C.L. How are you? I'm doing fantastically well, Doc. And this is the thing I want you to share with us here today. One, was America uninformed about COVID? Talk to us.
1: Well, I think... uh This is probably one of the biggest um, con jobs ever done to America. Um, We basically had a shutdown of America based on very little evidence that it was going to have any effect on keeping the virus under control. Now, if you look at history and pandemics in general you know that the pandemic basically starts off very virulent and many, many people get sick and many people die. But then over time, the virus starts to attenuate, to mitigate itself for this very reason. The the virus wants to survive. And if it kills its host immediately, then what happens is it doesn't have time to spread itself around to other people so it figures out hey i have to stop killing my host so quickly and uh, and I'm, I'm giving it kind of a personality here, which obviously it doesn't have but in a biological sense it, this is basically what's happening it mitigates so people live longer and they can spread the disease around further and this is exactly what has happened over the years with many many pandemics like Spanish flu, Hong Kong flu, um, just to name a few, um, the virus will medic- mitigate and it will become less virulent and less people will die. This is just a natural history of, of, of pandemics. Um, the fact that we chose to shut down an entire country to do this was completely, just completely out of out of the norm of
0: how we deal with pandemics. Dr. Joe, you know, when we we think about what you've just said, and to all of you across the Fruited Plains listening to this, I want you to hear this uh, uh, answer to the next question. Doc, was there and has there been other pandemics that have affected the world that uh, were more deadly. I mean, I mean, they they made COVID, and and you can speak to this uh, with your experience. They made COVID seem like the mother of all pandemics, was it? Talk to us.
1: No, in fact, COVID was probably one of the least virulent viruses out there. H one N one, for example, um, the SARS variant was much more virulent, and um, much more dangerous. But yet we handled that one completely different. And uh, you, you can speak to Ebola. You can speak to, like I said, you, you've had other flus out there, avian flu. This is the first time we've ever done this. Um, and if I may, uh, the speculation on my part was just pure media hysteria. The, 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 the media basically pushed this as the new apocalypse, that we basically were all gonna die if we didn't do something. And this pushed everyone's hands to react in what I think was an over, overreaction, definitely overreached by the government.
0: Now, when we look at the overreaction, Dr. Joe, uh, there was a cheerleader in, in, in that overreaction. There was someone who was leading the cheers, uh, supposedly for science, uh, by the name of fauci now, now now tell us a little bit about uh what you may know about his credentials uh in this particular field and uh, perhaps why uh he was so uh uh enthusiastic about pushing uh, uh, an idea that at first he did not push he changed course from his uh, first position to where he eventually wound up, and I, I guess when he left the office or left the position, still stood. Why did he play such a key, and what was his role in this, and did he have the credentials to play that role, I guess would be the points I'd like to make. All
1: right, well, let's start with who the man is. Um, he had he basically was trained at Cornell, so he was very well trained, did a medicine Uh, residency and interestingly enough he went directly from his residency to the NIH he didn't this is a man who's never really treated patients you know he's not a guy who's lived in the trenches you know taking care of people he basically has been at the NIH and has been in his role of uh, uh, the Nash in the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease um, the the chief of that that section for almost forty years. So if he you know he he basically is a bureaucrat, and to keep that position, you and I both know how politics work and how places work. If you keep the same job for forty years, you you basically know how to place both sides against the middle to keep your job. Um. And I think that's probably what played out here and why he changed his position on various uh, facts, you know, in various situations. I mean, it, he was going, he's just following the flow. I mean, he was not, he is not and probably is not the type of guy uh, who's going to go against the people who are buttering his bread. I mean, that's just my speculation because when he initially started, he said, Masks were not necessary. And then it became one mask. And then it became two masks. And then it became, oh, well, facial coverings are fine. And, and let's stop a moment and, and just talk about that one fact. Um, the N95 mask is the only truly that ma- only true mask that is going to prevent you getting COVID. Because it's the only one that filters out viruses, that are the particles that are small, it, you know, that it's going to filter out small particles or viruses. These masks that we're all wearing, those it, it's basically like filtering your coffee with a colander <laughs> instead of a, a, a coffee filter, okay? Um, everything is just these viruses go right through that mask. And, and forget about putting scarves or bandanas or, you know, face coverings. That's just simply a waste of time because those that is actually more porous than the mask. That doesn't even help for droplet, you know, preventive droplets. Um, so the whole idea, he was correct when he said no mask. And then he probably bowed down to. Other people who said, hey, we got to do something. we got to make people feel like they can do something to protect themselves. Because if you remember, there was a shortage of N95 masks. And I was on the forefront. I was in the trenches working. And I had my N95 mask. And I never got sick. It wasn't until we moved away from the N95 mask to these regular masks because you couldn't get an N95 mask. And I ended up getting sick. So... My little anecdote or my little microcosm of life here showed that when, I, when we were in the throes of it, I never got sick wow. because I was wearing the correct mask.
0: So fear, uh, Dr. Joe, did in fact play an important part in shutting down American business. Common sense evidently went out the window. You've already pointed out that H1N1 and, and uh, Ebola, those types of pandemics may have very well been much more dangerous than this one. Uh, do you see any uh, particular method to the madness that evidently now, in hindsight, and even during this. Do you see any method to the madness that was inflicted upon us? Why, I guess, is the question that we obviously should ask. Why then do this? I mean, what purpose did this serve? Well, now I'm
1: I'm simply, I have to speculate because I can't get in anyone's mind to tell you what they were thinking. But looking at all the facts and looking at the players and looking at how they've behaved in the past, you have to wonder if this was just kind of a power grab. Um, because people, when you make people afraid, they will do anything. They will give up their civil civil liberties because they're afraid. Just look at the past. But it, we do after 9-11, the Patriot Act. We just gave up our civil liberties because we were terrified. And here, what did we do? Oh, I, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. So they took away all our liberties. And they it was basically a power grab. And think about the repercussions of it. Because of COVID-19, it had a dramatic effect on the election um, in terms of, you know, um, ballot harvesting and people, you know, uh, write-ins and all these other things because of COVID. And a lot of money was given to various states for various reasons. And there was a lot of political manipulations going on, including certain favorite drug companies versus other companies. You're talking about a billion-dollar profit to whoever was the favorite company in Pharma. Um, Obviously, you know, that thing just happened. There were obviously people who were looking for favor for their company and lobbying for that. And that's a pure speculation, obviously. I don't really have any proof
0: to support that. Well, Doc, I mean, that that is a very knowledgeable speculation because it seems as though there are so many coming to that same conclusion, and that is follow the money. And we're not going to get into uh, all of that at this point in time, but I do want to uh, get your estimation, your opinion on the, 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 the profession of the medical profession as far as doctors are concerned so many that I know across the country have chosen to leave the profession is that a trend and what are we losing with these doctors not getting uh, what they need as far as the relationship with patients are uh, concerned. There was a time I remember, and Dr. Joe, I know you, and uh, you know me. We're in the same age category. We remember a time when there was a patient-doctor relationship. Does that still exist? And are doctors actually leaving the profession? Uh, and and why? Why are they leaving? Talk to us.
1: Well, yes, many doctors are leaving the profession, and fewer doctors are going into it. Um, and In the older, you know, the older sect, you know, mostly because after 30 years of practice, you can look back on time and see how dramatically different everything is. You know, the younger people are coming in and they, you know, it's kind of like if you don't know any better, you just accept it and it's okay. But the older guys realize that, hey, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And the biggest problem I see is the corporatization of medicine. Very few, very few um, places exist where you have a doctor putting up a, sh- a shingle and being able to survive on their own. Um, now, there are no, you know, all the private practices have been brought up by corporations. Um, and when you put someone who's a bean counter in charge versus someone who's a doctor in charge, you have a very different practice.
0: Amen is, to that. Amen to is, that. Go what ahead, is a
1: basically a corporation is is basically uh, you know publicly traded company. A lot of these are their their onus is to make the shareholders happy, not the patients. They're the bottom line. The doctors basically have to make the patients happy so that the patients come back and build this business. So that the driving force between both businesses is very different. One is money, and the other is. Patient care. And tr- that translates into money, obviously. But at the beginning of it is me taking really good care of you so you come back. Um, the other one is hey, I don't care what I have to do, I have to turn a profit. So what do they do? They have something called turnaround times. And you are basically told, okay, well, in order for me to turn a profit with you, doctor, I need you to see a patient every 10 minutes. And they monitor that very, very closely, and if you don't make your benchmarks, there there are penalties that exist, and you get talked to, and da 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 da. So what happens? You you're looking at your watch. Okay, my ten minutes is up. I gotta go see the next patient, or I'm gonna get in trouble. Wow. So you know, this is the way medicine is working now, and it, it's it's across the board. You know, you know, part of it also is you know, it's the whole legal side of it where you can't really, like, if you have a relationship with someone and you know, hey, look, I could do X, Y, and Z on you. I'm really pushing the envelope with it. You know, I can get a CAT scan. I could get an MRI. I could get this. But, you know, I I have known you for years and I know you're not really that sick. Why don't we just give it a little bit and then I'll give you, you know, some antibiotic for you to, see if you get better, and, and if, you know, you better come back and we'll, we'll do all those other tests. Well, now that's not the way it happens. It's like I cannot take the risk that you go home and you get really sick. i got to hit you with a battery of tests to make sure I didn't miss anything.
0: Wow. So so you have a sue-happy society, and doctors are being sued right and left. Your insurance premiums must be out of uh uh this 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 world out of the stratosphere but we i can't can't let you go without talking about this vaccine now doc there was a a, a civil division still is a civil division in this country over the the vaccine itself uh, i i everybody knows everybody listening to this show coast to coast border to border around the globe they know cl has not had any vaccine i have had covid i had it early on uh i i started hearing that uh, if you've had it uh you you were okay and i went i rolled with that i rolled with that uh trusting god above all and then of course trusting uh the immune system that he he'd given me but i understand that there are many who for whatever reasons health reasons uh fear what have you they took the vaccine and god bless you for it as far as that's concerned but let's talk about the this vaccine the speed in which this vaccine came to us Was this something with a thinking about it rationally? Was this something that should have been, or or, or, can it still be trusted? Especially those boosters that they're wanting everybody to have. Talk to us about it.
1: Well, you know, traditionally the reason we have not jumped in to give people vaccines is because it takes time to know what the side effects are. And right now, two, two or three years—you know, three years in—we're starting to see some of those. uh, side effects like pericarditis in, you know, people who, you know, higher rate of pericarditis and people who've taken a vaccine than people who got COVID. So, you know, and then you have all the variants and stuff. So there's a little little efficacy of the virus has changed. I mean, of the uh, vaccine has changed. And that's why you come out with the boosters. But to come out with a booster every six months is kind of ridiculous. I mean, we don't do that for for any other virus we don't do that for the for pneumococcal pneumonia we don't do that for influenza we don't do that for anything and i again i come back to let's follow the money why are we giving all these boosters and we've we've documented that they don't stop the spread of disease they simply attenuate the disease and maybe keep you out, maybe keep you out of the hospital so This whole thing, again, I'm I'm very suspect as to why we need a a, a booster shot every six months, and especially for a disease that has a mortality rate of less than 1%. And if you look at the people who have gotten sick and the people who have died, they make up 80% of the people who have died from COVID are people over the age of 60, uh, pre-existing comorbidities. You know, and and that makes up about eighty percent people with COD, asthma, obesity, heart disease, hypertension, um, you know, in an advanced age. So wouldn't it make sense like we've done with all other pandemics? Protect those people, have those people stay out of public areas, have those people get the vaccine, have those people practice social distancing. This is what would make sense. And then what ends up happening is all the healthy people eventually get it and develop what's called herd immunity. So that that eventually those high-risk people have a vaccine and they can go out because 90% of people have already had it and they have natural immunity. This is what was proposed by Scott Atlas and other epidemiologists out there. And he was called a fringe doctor. And these epidemiologists were called fringe doctors in translation, you know, like, uh, you know, brutal doctors. They don't know what they're talking about, but they were actually right. And they're being proven right because it's not the vaccine that's making the numbers of COVID go down. It's the fact that a lot of people have had it already and they have natural immunity.
0: How about our children Dr. Joe, uh, our children uh, are, are in still too many cases in my estimation, uh, still wearing masks, and in some school districts, they're mandating uh, the vaccines for our young people, and they're, they're telling us to follow the science, but uh, the science is, is, did say initially, and I think it's still saying that uh, they're the least uh, uh, vulnerable uh, to to this. Uh, disease or to this pandemic why, why 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 would uh they push this on american children uh talk to us
1: again i i don't know what their end game is other than control um and basically saying you have to do it because i say you have to do it um because there's really no no basis in logic for it first of all the kid there've been 530 deaths from covid in pediatric age group and there have been over a million deaths so death rate mortality rate in children is 0.009 okay wow this is not a public health menace that our children are looking at and the vast majority of children who do get COVID it's basically like the flu and they get better right away and you know they don't have any lingering effects And there's a whole immunology behind that as to why kids respond differently to COVID than adults. And the kids' response is very different. Younger people's response is very different than older people. And that's why they have very different outcomes in the way they get sick. But the bottom line is there is no rational reason why anyone should be wearing a mask today. We've already proven masks don't work. We've already proven that the mortality rate in children is infinitesimal we've already proven that mass caused delay in you know development of speech um we've 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 done this we've done the work why are we still doing stuff that doesn't make any sense
0: why are we still doing stuff that makes no sense follow the money that's what I'm telling you to do. We've been on with doctor, Joe. I'm I'm CL, and I, I want to thank you, Doc, for coming on. I, I folks, I know I'm not going to give you any any way to get in touch with him. You just have to tune in when you hear that he's coming on. We see hear me uh, uh, talk about him coming on the next day, uh, so that we can get it. He's our inside man in the medical profession, and he's here to give you the inside skinny on what's going on. And he is a friend of mine. I certainly do. And I hey, I vouch, I. Vouch up and down the East Coast of Florida and around the country about his credentials. Be assured you're listening to someone who's gotten his homework well-educated and is able to bring it to you clear and concise the way that he did today. Thank you, man. We'll be back in touch with you. Want to give you your own little monthly spot right here on the C.L. Bryant show so that people around the globe and certainly across the Fruited Plains, of the greatest nation on the planet planet can hear from our own dr joe right here over red state talk radio the cl brian show thank you for coming on with me god bless you and god keep you talk to you real soon
1: thank you cl god bless you too